0: Listen up, all you New York fans. Veteran New York sports talk host John Dostromsky gives his unique take on all the big stories in the Big Apple and beyond, including guest conversations, gambling picks and reactions from you, the listener. Check out New York, New York with John Dostromsky on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. my mind and now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the hotels.com app whether you're looking for a family-friendly right all-inclusive or relaxing spa weekend you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices ratings and amenities side by side so start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app
2: david what's on your mind today well, as you uh, probably know, as you definitely know, because we have a segment about it coming up, um, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has announced that he's moving on from the company. What? Yeah. Well, you know, it's big news in the technology and media and uh, just planet Earth landscape today. <laughs> um, I was uh, looking around online to see if uh, I had missed any uh, takes, any analysis of the situation. Um So I just Googled Jack Dorsey and I didn't really find anything I hadn't read, but I did find some interesting questions that people have been typing into their Google search engine. So I thought it might be a good opportunity for another edition of Ask Google, um, or Ask What Google's Asking. Ask What Google's Asking. That's what we should call this. Uh, Most so I just,
3: underrated bit on the show, by the way. So,
2: <laughs> so uh, of course, I'm just searching him by his name, and you might think that the questions that people are asking would start with, why did Jack Dorsey quit? Now, that is a, you know, a top question, but it's not number one. Uh, number one is, does Jack Dorsey eat meat? So as we as we go through the analysis of this, we're going to talk about this as a media angle and how it affects politics and everything else. You might be forgiven if you're living out there in the rest of the world and you're just more interested in Jack Dorsey's eating habits than you okay. are what he means to the culture. Uh, so uh, does Jack Dorsey eat meat? Yeah. Um, uh uh, this is according in 2020 according uh, he does he eats one really big meal a day this is this is the big thing uh why did jack dorsey quit Okay, next question why does jack dorsey eat one meal a day Uh, it helps him feel focused um good follow-up yeah uh is uh, dorsey of twitter married uh no is jack but there's you know lots of information on that if you want it is jack dorsey tall yeah. These um, these are more in the
3: standard celebrity type f- questions. Yeah.
2: Well, five eleven, according to uh, Twitter. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure if they answer that question. Um, what is the Silicon Valley diet? <laughs> Would you, uh, it's apparently the big thing is dopamine fasting, um, okay. which you can Google if you're interested. Uh, does Jack Dorsey have a nose ring?
3: hmm
2: You used I feel to, if you're, not I feel if
3: you're asking that, you kind of know the answer, but okay. Yeah
2: um what is twitter's net worth which i'm not really sure is a properly formed question so we can skip it here's a good one uh, related to the previous ones what do tech bros drink Ooh, i'm not sure this is the answer that anyone was looking for but the top google search result is an article about soylent uh once the beverage of tech bros and also once the beverage of choice of um former press box uh, partner chris almeida um, I will wow. never let him live that era down. Uh, is eating once every 24 hours healthy? Is intermittent fasting a biohack? Is eating one meal a day a good way to lose weight? How long does Jack Dorsey fast? Uh, uh, does Jack Dorsey have an Instagram? What time does Jack Dorsey sleep? This is a good one. Does fasting have <laughs> side effects? Does fasting release dopamine? What can you do on a dopamine fast? How is the septum pierced? Ooh. Does Jack Dorsey have a beard? I'm winding up now. Does Jack Dorsey have a beard? Again,
3: if you're asking, i
2: sort of <laughs> uh What is with Jack Dorsey's beard is Better the question. next question. Um, uh, that is, I'm not quite sure that Google could even answer that one. Uh, and finally, how does Jack Dorsey make money? Which <laughs> I guess we can get into when we actually start the show.
3: Turns out a lot of investors in Twitter had the same question. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, we talk more about the resignation of Jack Dorsey. We mark an interesting moment in media time when publications are pondering how to report on the Omicron variant of the coronavirus, plus the overworked Twitter joke media piss test and more on the Press Box, a part of the Ringer podcast network. Hello, media consumers, Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Rigger here, along with producer Erica Cervantes. Uh, David, two nights ago, the aforementioned Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, tweeted, I love Twitter. (laughs) That was a tweet. It got semi-ratioed, FYI, as you might expect. And then today, David, Jack Dorsey self-ratioed. He announced he's (laughs) resigning. He will be replaced by Parag Agrawal, Twitter's chief technology officer. Dorsey's exit, the New York Times notes, marks a significant shift, great newspaper term there, at the company, which has navigated years of pressure from investors who thought it did not make enough money and criticism from Washington, particularly Republican lawmakers who complain Twitter has helped stifle conservative voices in social media. That would be Donald Trump and his allies. Where do we start? other than the beard, nose ring, and what he drinks stuff with Jack Dorsey?
2: That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think the thing that's most interesting to me is, and I I texted you to this effect this morning, is this is a really interesting subject for a media podcast to take on, just sort of like Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter and Twitter more broadly, because it's not precisely a media story, but it's also sort of the biggest media story. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, We could probably spend an hour talking about whether or to what degree this is a media story. But it does feel like regardless of how you want to categorize it, Twitter has sort of played this sort of proxy role as the question of what media is going to be for the rest of our lives, right? Um, Certainly, there is the sort of legal or... uh, or governmental issue of what constitutes a publisher and what con- you know and, and and the free speech a- uh, aspects that spin off from that um and i think just in general to what degree social media is media you know i mean it's obviously you know the the word is in there and it's tied up in the same category but we can talk on and on about how we and others, you know, read tweets instead of reading articles or, you know, read reaction tweets instead of reading the articles they're based on or whatever. But at, at some point, that actually becomes the media story, right? I mean, that's, that's it. It's not just about, oh, we're not doing media right. It's this is how media is being done. And, um, you know, Jack Dorsey is synonymous with Twitter. And certainly the the company will change in his absence and It's almost impossible to project. I'm sure close Twitter watchers will have takes, but it's hard to project. But but whatever happens is going to be significant for the way we do media going forward.
3: Yeah, I think it'd be easier probably to try to figure out what of social media isn't media at this point in history. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that over the weekend during the college football coaching carousel. (laughs) Because <laughs> not only do we follow the news breaks on Twitter for all these people that work for actual publications, you know, they're doing all the work on Twitter. There's this thing where, okay, a coach has left a school. I need to get in front of a camera and tweet out two minutes of me just talking about this as quickly as possible. That is my currency right now. It doesn't really matter if I have anything to say or if I'm just rehashing everything you already know from Twitter, this must be a Twitter product. So, yeah, I think the answer to your question is it is it will affect everything that we do, be, even beyond the fact that people like you and me are spending our entire days there. The um Dorsey's interesting because he's one of these tech CEOs, the Times Notes, who basically is the company mm-hmm. Zuckerberg, like we think Twitter Jack Dorsey as a kind of single thing. A lot of the time, uh, there's some hilarity involved in this as the Times Notes quote, the decision to remove Mr. Trump's account was made by one of Mr. Dorsey's lieutenants. Mr. Dorsey was working on a private island in French Polynesia when it happened, (laughs) adding to the concern that he was not fully engaged with his company. The Times goes on to know the concerns that Mr. Dorsey's attention was divided between the two companies he led. The other one is Square, by the way. The firm believed that Twitter had followed behind social media rivals in increasing its stock price and adding innovative new products. I want to throw this one at you too. Unscientific survey among people we know or at least know from social media. What is more reviled or what do people hate themselves for being on more, Facebook or
2: Twitter? <laughs> I don't first of all I just want to take a step backwards. I don't want to accuse Jack Dorsey of any uh, indiscretion but working private working from a private Polynesian island has the same ring as hiking on the Appalachian Trail to me. Maybe that's too far back of a reference. but it just does it just seems like it's impossible. To, I guess that that's what having billions of dollars does for you that when you say something that sounds so infeasible, people assume it to be true if you're as rich as Jack Dorsey is. But, but
3: remember when we were kids and Marlon Brando was living on the private island? Yes, that was the thing. So yeah. do we think Jack Dorsey just kind of continued the kind of, person who's out there not paying attention to the world on their private island, or do you think he rehabilitated private island as like the <laughs> fantasy that people want?
2: Well, I mean, certainly in this day and age, private islands need a lot of help. So um, whatever Jack Dorsey's doing, I guess, is is probably a positive. Uh, to answer your question, the Facebook versus Twitter self-loathing issue, um, it's a tough call. I think that, frankly, I think that people probably outwardly low like like in so much as like it they expend their energy with in their discontent i think they loathe twitter more than facebook but and we're talking about our us and people like us the people that we know in our general generation i think people probably loathe twitter more but are more Given up, I mean, have sort of given up in terms of like its necessity, you know, given themselves over to it in terms of its necessity. Facebook is uh, it's dismissed with a little bit less severity, but it's also really easy just to like not be on Facebook or to be on Facebook and not check it frequently, you know whatever. It's just to sort of ignore facebook if if you are so inclined. um um you know, but just in in the media world, you know, there's not there's obviously a lot of traction for. Instagram accounts and, and TikTok and, you know, whatever else, but like, you know, Twitter is the land of links and quips. I mean, it's, it's, it's indispensable to the media world.
3: Brian Phillips is one of the few people I know who has semi quit Twitter, Mm -hmm. our pal. Like I just looked and he hasn't tweeted since last spring. there's a lot of like, I'm not going to be on Twitter very much anymore. And then you see the person like a couple of days later uh, and I had yeah. I had a memorable one with a sports uh, television person who says I don't do any of that Twitter stuff and they had actually followed me on Twitter somewhat before we had that conversation where they were telling me they're not on Twitter <laughs> which is very very funny.
2: You see a lot of people who are who announce they're taking a break from Twitter. People do take breaks. I mean, I'm kind of on a semi-permanent break, but but people, you know, will kind of say ah, I I got to get I got to write my book or I, I just need to take a mental health break or whatever. And they take a week off or two weeks off or go on a vacation and say, I'm vacationing. I'm just going to not check Twitter while I'm gone. But you also see a number of people who do that and sort of find an important reason to jump back on. Taking a quick taking a quick <laughs> break from my break to let you know hiatus that, Brian, from my Twitter that hiatus. Brian Curtis's piece is really worth reading or taking a quick break from my great break to launch into a 15-part Twitter thread about a subject that I feel uniquely positioned <laughs> to discuss. I don't really, I don't really know how you unplug the bat phone and then still realize it's ringing, but that people seem to do that quite a bit. Um, you know, but, but you know, but Twitter's, but that's just part of Twitter. It's like it's compulsive. It's what people take those with Jack Dorsey and others do those dopamine fasts to get away from, right? It, it's a, uh, it's, it's why we log on. I don't mean that in an inherently positive way.
3: And for journalists, I think it's really rewired our minds. I mean, you and I are not heavy users of the medium at all, but there are moments when you see a news story, you see something happen and you're like, I have, I have the thought on this, right? I have the mm-hmm. take on this. I have the joke on this. I can, I, and, and you just, and I'm just racing around. Where's my phone? Where, cause I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And again, your mileage may vary. There are certain people who are like, oh, I've got a 19 part series I'd like to share. On this, or I, I am going to tweet millions of times a day. But even for people like us, who I think fancy ourselves as not being on Twitter all the time, it has rewired our brains to a certain extent. It really has. Uh, and by the way, the hiatus thing—the people that are on hiatus—do they not do the kind of shame scroll through Twitter when they're lying in bed trying to go to sleep? <laughs> Have they turned that off too? I know they may not be tweeting, but are they not just going like you know? you know, just killing the 45 minutes right before you go to sleep on Twitter?
2: I I couldn't answer for each and every one of those people. I mean, I guess if you're spending a ton of your life tweeting, I can understand the call to quit, you know, or to to take a vacation from that. But it kind of seems to me that you're not really logging off unless you're actually logging off.
3: The New York Times did a rundown of the Trump Dorsey or Trump Dorsey lieutenant while Dorsey was on a private island. Uh, adventures. If you remember, Trump's tweets were for a time labeled misinformation. So the president of the United States was tweeting hmm. something, making some kind of statement and Twitter was coming on saying the president is not telling the truth. This is not real. Uh, then we were upgraded to Trump getting kicked off Twitter on J- after January 6th. That then launched this whole, or or sort of put in overdrive, this whole effort to have conservative Twitter, like Parler, which I saw referenced a couple of times on Twitter of all places today. And, and did you see this? Conservatives are now sort of semi-praising Dorsey and now being mad on Twitter about his successor, Parag Agrawal, partly because of one of his old tweets.
2: What do they say? Well, it was I a, the, to, to the first part of your question, yes, I have noticed immediate, you know, overwhelming, well, not overwhelming in the sense of like really vocally, but widespread concern about what Twitter will be post Jack Dorsey in the conservative parts of Twitter. Yes.
3: Yeah, this is just a story. And again, I was just reading this before we got on today, but it's kind of an amazing Twitter story. So first of all, it's an old tweet resurfaced something you and I've seen happen a million times and the particular tweet was not parag agrawal's thoughts it was him quoting a daily show segment he had just seen but now it can be pulled out of twitter time taken out of context or removed from context whatever you want to say it and used against him this is a ceo of twitter <laughs> This is incredible. I mean, this is like Julia Alexander tweeted: "The new CEO of Twitter will unfortunately spend today seeing how awful Twitter can be."
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a uh, uh, somehow I don't think he's going to mind too much, but I, but yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, Twitter's a Twitter's a it's a it's an interesting political space, and I think that's part of why it's hard to define, and also why it's hard to wrap our heads around, wrap our you know, hands around, but also just why it's sort of important to the way we live now. Twitter is one of the few spaces where everybody feels criminally underserved, right? I mean, and, and in some ways, it's a sort of microcosm of our culture because of that, right? Like everybody's, there. like there's a lot of, uh, no, no matter where you are politically, you sort of feel a grievance towards the status quo and everybody is... And, and, that's how people relate to Twitter a lot of the time.
3: So let's count the ways you feel underserved. You're, you're mad because you feel misinformation or the other side's point of view is getting more of an airing on Twitter than it should. Mm-hmm. That goes both ways. How about the recent one where you feel that your follower count went down? <laughs> Twitter is taking away too many of your followers.
2: I don't think that's recent. I mean, I don't know if there's I know there's been a recent tournament, but that's been going on since I feel like the earliest days of Twitter. And it's all and for me, it was at least, in, especially in the early days, you were always telling on yourself, right? You're always just like, I just lost 5,000 followers overnight. There's something wrong with Twitter. And it was, you know, and it turned out very quickly that it was like, oh no, everybody was getting their fake followers taken away. Like all the bots, Every the bots were just being eliminated. And... You know, like I said, everybody's telling on themselves. So I just learned that I don't even pay attention. And if followers disappear, I like to not know. And if I did, I certainly would not be whining about it in front of everybody who might be able to know, (laughs) you know, tell me that it's just Russian eggs that are following me.
3: Breaking my Twitter hiatus to say that I've just lost 5,000 Twitter followers. (laughs) But I wasn't counting. Uh, Two more things for you, and then we'll move on here. The New York Times, and again, these people under amazing pressure to do do work, David, on deadline that you and I don't have to do in quite the same way. But I love the newspaper terms you use when somebody like Jack Dorsey steps down. If we were on a Ringer podcast, you'd just be like, this is a big effing deal, folks. This is a big effing deal, but can't write that in the New York Times. So I appreciated the term significant shift, which I mentioned earlier. And also here's another great, great one. Critical changing of the guard. (laughs)
2: Oh, that's great.
3: A critical changing of the guard at Twitter. David, let's do the overworked Twitter joke of the week. Uh uh Uh-huh. see, they pull you back in where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send nominees to at the press box pod, where they are always gratefully received. I would like uh, to put here an honorary nomination to any joke about what Jack Dorsey is doing next like becoming the new head mm-hmm. football coach at the University of Oklahoma or LSU. Right. Or who is replacing him? I saw Peppa Pig, among others. Not sure why that was even a joke. We would have also accepted even the CEO of Twitter is quitting Twitter. <laughs> Thanks to Jan Combo Piano and Michael Avery for those. Uh, story here from the AP, David. NASA has launched a spacecraft on a mission to smash into an asteroid and test whether it would be possible to knock a speeding space rock off course if one were to threaten Earth. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write, I would simply send an oil drilling crew featuring Bruce Willis (laughs) and Ben Affleck. Thanks to our friend Chad Orzel for that one. And this week's Runaway winner, off another story from the AP, quoting here, A jury found white nationalist leaders liable for $25 million in damages for the violent 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Those white nationalist leaders, David, are Mm going to have to pay $25 million. It was an overword Twitter joke to call the white nationalist leaders a very fined people. (laughs)
2: Oh, that's a good overworked Twitter joke.
3: Trump said, yeah. Thanks to Matt Thornton. If you properly made
0: fun of Trump's words, congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? to find coupons and start an instant online estimate. Visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24/7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today terms conditions restrictions all apply. see website for details
1: this episode is brought to you by hotels.com i was traveling internationally last year i was in majorca i didn't know the island well i said let me head to the north head towards the water let me go on hotels.com and see what they have available something preferably on the beach maybe even a gym not only did i get those things there was all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, time for the notebook, De- David. And
3: I don't know about you, but I think it was Saturday morning. I'm lying in bed. I'm telling myself, Don't read Twitter, Brian. Just get up and go about your day. Do some work. Don't get sucked into this thing. Mm -hmm. But I read Twitter. I read a tweet from our friend Dan Diamond, and it led me to a Washington Post story about the coronavirus. Right. Yeah. Specifically, it is the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Omicron, David, is not the new transformer who's going to team up with Megatron to take over the planet. This is the deadly variant of the coronavirus. But how deadly is the question? Right. We don't know the answer to that yet. And so I don't have a ton to say here other than should we put down a marker at this moment where you have lots of journalists doing fantastic work to try to help us understand what this variant is but the answer is we don't know everything about it right now right so it becomes this whole exercise in how do we report on it without scaring the crap out of everybody or the opposite problem underselling what's going to happen here
2: yes that is the question i mean there's also uh, i mean Weaving in and out of that is the sort of le- lessons learned from reporting on the Delta variant. I mean, and just you know, COVID nineteen in general. Um, it's it's a it's been a very interesting thing to watch. Um, I feel like I was sort of dimly aware of the uh, Omicron variant for several days before I mentioned it out loud to my wife and she hadn't seen it yet. And then I realized I was like, I must've just seen an article that, you know, a speculative article and and internalized it in a weird way because it really hadn't caught on to that extent. Now it has, obviously. You talk about this weekend. We were, I mean, I think in the past, over the past year and a half, I might've done the most self-awarely, you know, unsafe thing i've done since the beginning of COVID 19 which is which is to take to go to the mall on saturday because i wanted to go before the we you know before they got shut down again which is exactly how shit gets spread and i know it but you know whatever my baby got a picture with santa claus uh but yeah i mean it's <laughs> this is going to be
3: marked by the way you know for 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 for, for future historians yeah right? uh
2: but but i do but I think that that sort of, and you know, I'll be I'll, I'll be fully forthright about it because I do feel like that's sort of the way that we're addressing these things. I mean, on the one hand, I feel like everybody has a better grasp on the sort of bare minimum, right? And that doesn't mean that everybody is doing what they should be doing. But I feel like on some level, the the fear factor has a lower floor. Is that the right way to say it? Because we all know that like, if you wash your hands and wear a mask and be somewhat self-aware uh, or self-conscious, um, then you can do a lot to avoid, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of the the problems that'll pop up. Also, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of people are vaccinated, um, including people down to five years of age, which is fantastic. Um, let's get the rest of everybody vaccinated soon who want to do it, and even if they don't, maybe, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we 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 understand that there's. I mean, we we have a kind of a better grasp of like the low level risk or the you know the risk of transmission. We don't really know to get back to the original point what the degree of this this new variant is going to be, how dangerous it is compared to the original and to obviously into the delta variant. But I think that we saw enough tragedy through the delta variant to make this a serious conversation, you know, make this like something to to really be worried about. And you saw that through, well, I mean, we haven't seen this sort of like uncertainty at the highest levels of government, I think, since the various early days of COVID, the very earliest days of COVID-19, right? We're like, at the exact same moment that Tony Fauci saying, we shouldn't have a travel ban, we, you know, Biden announces a travel ban. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's these sorts of, those sorts of like, you know, cross wires are going to be a part of any sort of situation like this, but that was a pretty extreme example. Um, but I think that again, to 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 bring it back full circle, we know how bad it can be, and so we have a frame of reference. to The previous stuff, we I mean, it could always be worse. But I think it's not just the actual effects of the disease. And I'm sorry, this is a long winded way of getting here, but it's it's the it's the it's 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 not just I know what the Delta variant was like that we're dealing with. It's I know what a what a Shelter in place Christmas is like. Mm-hmm. And that's what's on the horizon. And so I think that there's a lot of sort of, you know, emotional baggage that comes with any of this, but particularly this time of year.
3: I know what a shelter in place Christmas is like. And I, and I know, I know, you know, what hope that we can resume something like normal life at some time in the near future. <laughs> I know, I know what that disappearing again looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. Every subsequent, every subsequent bit of bad news or potential bad news is worse, just because it's farther down the line. So David Leonhardt, in his very helpful New York Times morning newsletter, talks about this today. It actually talks about how there's two questions with the new variant: whether the variant leads to faster transmission of the COVID virus, and whether it causes more severe illness among infected people. Those are actually separate things, right? More contagious, more severe illness, and he breaks it apart and talks about how, in fact, with the alpha and delta variants, they were more contagious. But the second part of it was, it um, we don't, as far as we know, the second part he says has largely not been borne out. With both alpha and delta, the percentage of COVID cases that led to hospitalization or death held fairly steady. He says also, unfortunately, Omicron seems likely to be more contagious than Delta, including among vaccinated people. Fortunately, the evidence so far does not indicate that Omicron is causing more severe illness. Again, that's very, very early
0: mm-hmm. evidence.
3: But you're pulling those things apart. Also like this, our friend Charlie Wurzel in his newly rebranded, re uh, his newly relocated newsletter in the Atlantic says this. So here we are stuck in a super weird moment where we know a thing is happening, but we don't know exactly what that thing is. We're living in Mm -hmm. an information vacuum. It's a bit like hearing news of a tropical depression out on the ocean that has all the makings of turning into a vicious land-bound hurricane. The conditions are right for that eventuality, but even advanced modeling can only tell us so much in the early days. Ultimately, we have to wait for nature. And he talks about, How tough it is for public health officials, and I'd say journalists are probably in the same boat too, there are very few good ways for most of us to engage during these kinds of information vacuum events. After a good 19 months of this news, I'll admit to feeling frustrated as health and science professionals share genuinely worrying information while in the same breath, Mm -hmm. preaching calm and patience. I feel for them as most are trying to thread an impossible needle, prepare people for potentially terrible news while also conveying uncertainty.
2: The tropical depression part, I think, was dead on, right? Because, I mean, how many times do we have a really a, a terrible hurricane or tropical storm doing lots of damage? And, you know, the, there will be some sort of snarky people seeing the uh, people who, you know, all the tragedy that unfolds and say, well, we knew this was coming. Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you take cover? Why didn't you move, get out of the state? Why didn't you whatever? And it's because yeah, it's 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 too vague. It's just too uncertain. It's the it's the information vacuum. It's like I know what this could be, but that that doesn't have, you know the hypothetical doesn't have any real bearing on my life. You know, and that is the sort of way that we're all sort of or a lot of us I think are relating to what's going on right now.
3: Couple more for you before we get out of here today. Uh, this is from listener Jason McAllister, who I believe was watching a lot of football over Thanksgiving. I don't know who else to complain to. So the press box perhaps can address this. Any freshman playing in a big college football game is talented. And we don't need that (laughs) adjective every time a freshman is mentioned. So true. You're listening to a college football game, the talented freshman so-and-so.
2: Yeah. You can let us know when there's an exception, right? (laughs) You can be like, that's freshman receiver Brian Curtis. His dad is good friends with the coach. Like that, you know, you <laughs> let us know when it's not talent that's brought him there.
3: It's kind of like saying the, the huge offensive tackle or right, the big offensive lineman. He's large. Yeah. If it was a tiny offensive lineman, that would be news. Anyway, I thought that mm-hmm. was really good. Uh, our friend Chris Olson, David, has some media piss test news. This is where we. Catalog how many times things out in America are on steroids, or I guess Mm -hmm. out in the world too. Uh, Chris Olson has a few examples here. To combat the new Omicron variant, Brits are embarking on a vaccine booster rollout on steroids. Okay. (laughs) Uh, he also has an artificial,
2: (laughs) no, you can't do a vaccine booster on, I understand it's rollout on steroids, but it's one word away from a vaccine booster on steroids, which presumably has a very specific meaning outside of the, (laughs) yeah, if you were actually
3: injecting something into people, you should not be just
2: messing around with steroids references.
3: Yeah. We perhaps need a new metaphor on there. Yeah. A vaccine boost. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't on hold steroids.
2: up a needle like a cartoon needle and be just like, this is the heroine of vaccines. You're gonna love it. You know, no one's gonna take that.
3: Also from Chris, uh, this artificial intelligence digital assistant who is Alexa on steroids. <laughs> so we had regular Alexa, and now we have Alexa on steroids. And finally, a new healthy food-oriented grocery store is a Whole Foods on steroids.
2: <laughs> I'm so perplexed. Whole Foods is not healthy enough. I mean, I guess I guess there's always
3: extremes. <laughs> right, and putting it on steroids is kind of what Whole Foods doesn't want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, not, we're not injecting things into the <laughs> produce and into the meat. Just again, just work a little not- <laughs> harder on the metaphors, everybody. Media piss test. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, David, passed away over Thanksgiving. I saw this tweet from the New York Times' Michael Paulson. Last Sunday, I went to Connecticut to interview Stephen Sondheim at his country house. It turned out to be his last major interview. (laughs) Now, I'm interested to read this story. Did we know it needed to be his last major interview? And also, major is an interesting word in there.
2: so there were more interviews, I guess. Is that the idea? Yeah. Minor interviews. Do podcasts count as major or minor? Does it depend on <laughs> just the length of the interview? If it's you do a quick ten-minute podcast, hit? No, a I'm just wondering how you really define such things. Um,
3: I don't really have a point here, but I don't know why that just stuck out to me.
2: Steven Sondheim's an interesting one. I mean, I feel like we could read a bunch of these and do, and do a the whole episode on just how he's been covered. He kind of hits right at that netherworld between the icons of our of you know earlier generations and like you know people that our generation sort of knows by name and reputation but not intimately you know i mean he's had a big place in our generation's life for someone that like i don't i didn't know what he looked like until the other day Mm -hmm. right um but he's not i don't know It's, it's it's you know he's an icon but he's like he's like the sort of person who like He's an, he's a incredibly important person, but no one's claiming that like they're the target for Steven Sondheim's importance. Well, I guess there are. There's lots of Sondheim fans out there. And I don't know. Co-
3: there were more than I thought. Yeah, not not more Sondheim fans than I thought because fans uh,
2: fans of his songs,
3: but people that were just very very moved over the weekend. I would just I would just say the Twitter outpouring was was even bigger than I imagined, mm-hmm. among all ages. It yeah. was pretty incredible. Uh, David, you're interested in all things Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Well, our friend Lake Kelling sent over the sports page front from today's Charlotte Observer after Cam Newton and the Panthers lost the game. And the headline was Camped Compete. Not can't compete.
2: cam (laughs) Compete. First of all, this is absolutely great. Love it to death. But I think that I got, I'm really hung up on just the sort of like the newsroom, like dicta when it comes to this sort of thing. (laughs) It seems like if you're gonna be able, and I've seen plenty of Cam Newton, Charlotte Observer from, you know, headlines in my life. I don't, I feel like I should know the answer to this. But it's like if you're going to let Cam, like if you're going to let can or for that reason can't or whatever else be an acceptable headline pun for Cam. Or camped, I don't even know how to how to line up that sentence. But if you're allowed to do this, it's sort of beggars belief that there would ever be a headline that didn't use cam as in place of or, <laughs> can or can't, right? Right. Camped count him out. Yeah. Can't buy me love. Can't Camp, uh, camped
3: keep him down, you know. Yeah. Camped keep him on the bench.
2: Yeah. I think I cam, I think I cam, you know, whatever. There's lots of you could there's like an endless supply of these things.
3: That's a good one. Yeah, I don't. I, do you think the Charlotte Observer says, "Okay, we've done our one a year"?
2: Maybe so. Maybe anything with a "camped" is just you get you get one. when he re-signed with the team, that noise you heard was not all of the Panthers fans in Charlotte, North Carolina, rejoicing at his homecoming. It was just the Charlotte Observer newsroom that was just like, "We get one more pun out of this."
3: I'd like to headline this segment: "Notes on Camped." <laughs> all right. Speaking of which it's time for David Shoemaker guesses, the strained pun headline. Yeah. Last Monday's headline about a new memoir from Will Smith was The Fresh Prince of Bell Lettre.
2: Pretty amazing. It sounds better this way. It sounds better this week than it did last week when I was trying in vain to figure it out.
3: I feel that's often the case. Yeah. They they age like a fine wine. Today's headline comes from our friend Jason McGenzie. David, it's from The Economist. It's an article about these pandemic shortages we're all dealing with, specifically in this case at Ikea. The subhead is why Ikea shelves are bare. I'm going to spot you a couple of words here. Shoe rack. Shoe rack. rack. What was the economist's strain pun headline? I can't find a shoe rack, but I want one. I really want one. I am searching for that shoe rack.
2: Looking for shoe. Mm-hmm. Waiting for <laughs> You're, you're on the right track. Godot, I, a movie searching, movie looking, title. Yeah. You know?
3: Looking I want it. I am I am plaintively uh plaintively searching for that shoe um,
2: rack. waiting for
3: maybe Madonna what? and I are doing it oh, together.
2: Oh, sorry. Um <laughs> what did Madonna do? Uh, Desperately Seeking Shoe Rack Desperately Seeking Shoe Rack (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's terrible
3: He is David Shoemaker, I'm Brian Curtis Production Magic by Erica Cervantes Got another Friday press box coming up uh, this Friday And Shoemaker and I are back Monday With more lukewarm takes about the media See you then, David
2: See you later, Brian